Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. My name is Paul John Dykes. I'm joined by Kevin Graham, who has been with a Celtic State of Mind from episode one, Kev, all those years ago. It's coming up for four years this year, uh, four in a row. And you know this, when you look back on the early episodes, uh, we were winning trebles because, you know, th- this is the thing, we were, we were covering all that unbelievable success but we're talking about the invincible treble you know you and I were obviously together at one of the Scottish Cup finals we were reacting to uh, the success we were reacting to the demise of Rogers, and we were reacting to Neil Lennon being given the job it's all out there this is the big thing about it when you're 
talking day in, day out about Celtic. You give your opinion. You can't backtrack because it's all out there, isn't it? So we're on about episode 420 odd now today. So, um, you know, Celtic can't play in this weekend. We're, we're going to have to wait until Wednesday. But I think it's important to keep the fire burning on the discussions. Um, I would say keep the pressure on the club and... I, I say that because I'm, I'm going to throw something at you, Kev. I'm going to throw something at you in relation to that. All week we've been hearing about how, and I've said it myself, how the club ignores the fans' wishes and they ignore things like podcasts and broadcasts, even though they are becoming bigger in terms of the audience. It seems sometimes as though the club are ignoring them. Now, I was just thinking there, obviously, there's some fantastic Celtic uh, content creators out there, Kev, you know, some brilliant podcasts and bloggers, etc. The story that came out near the beginning of the week, it was Stephen McGowan, I think, wasn't it, to say that, to suggest that Neil Lennon was going to be the manager for the rest of the season. That was met with a bit of um, disappointment, I would suggest, by the Celtic fan base. We, we've been given their media stroke PR team a, a proper kick in over the last few weeks. And um, are they good enough? Are they wise enough to have thrown that story in just to check public opinion on it? Do they then feed a story like we're going to keep Neil Lennon in position until the rest of the season and then look at the aftermath? Do you think that happens at a club like Celtic? I don't know. There's one person uh, at Celtic Football Club intelligent enough to do something like that. And what you what what you would you can only deal with the facts that are out there or the known the known leaks that are out there, right? We know Stephen McGowan is close to Peter Mall. Stephen McGowan's usually the first one that gets any information regarding transfers or news coming out of Celtic Park. So if Stephen McGowan says it, it's usually a case of there's some weight behind that. That has definitely come for the club. There is certain a uh, journalist, Stephen McGowan's one of the journalists. Recently, we have started using the Daily Record to actually leak leak stuff as well. So yeah. uh, Stephen McGowan and the Daily Record and other other bloggers that we know for a fact that have the ear of Peter Wall come out and say that there's going to be there's going to be a, rev- a review in the summer, major changes in the summer, so didn't expect major changes just now. You know kinda that that's where it comes from. It's came direct from the it's came direct from Peter Wall. I can only go away. Then that puts it in the mind where the sources or the insiders, those in the know who have been talking about other managers like the Eddie Howe's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. So you're going, where are they coming from? Who, who benefits that leak coming out as well? Is that leak coming out to gauge the reaction in the supporters as well? Yeah. But then... Because you don't know how reliable these sources are or where the sources got that information from, you've got to actually think as well. A couple of things that have came direct from De- 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 Desmond recently have been re- have been leaked via the sun. Mm, like yeah. our it has came via the sun. So the only thing you can actually say about the Eddie House stuff, the Eddie, the Eddie House stuff is basically a qualified rumour. But the stuff that's been released to Stephen McGowan, the Daily Record, and well, I'm going to say it, Celtic Quick News, um, has come with a bit of weight with it. So that's the stuff that's out The stuff that's out there, it's with those three sources. It's the only stuff that we can actually speak about as being genuine because we know where, exa- where exactly it's came from. I can only speak about the stuff that's genuine as well. I know I'm, I'm a member of a supporters club that's a member of the affiliation and they had a meeting with Peter Wall in December 
and the mm-hmm. minutes and the minutes are out there for all the members to read. And he says that the review would have been completed on the second of January. It's in those minutes. Those reviews, that review doesn't seem to have been complete yet. So I've got to question why that review is not com- complete. Um, you've also got to in that meeting. He also says that we wouldn't we wouldn't be looking for another Brendan Rodgers because opportunities like that didn't usually present themselves because of the market that we're in. Again, maybe that's why I'm I've been trying to talk myself round to Jack Ross. So you've got to have a look at what's going around, what's out there, and what you can actually add weight to. And what you can add weight to is it doesn't look like we're going to get a new permanent manager. And it's going to be the summer before that happens, because that that is that is out there from genuine sources. Yeah, well, it, it, all the points you make are excellent. We're going to go. I'm going to go through them with a wee bit more of a, a finer tooth comb, Kevin, because it's important that first and foremost, Stephen McGowan is an absolutely superb journalist, right? And not only that. He's a really good guy as well. I've had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times. Very, very helpful. Very balanced and very fair. But what you've said is right. Generally, in amongst the the media world, which I'm not part of in terms of mainstream media, but obviously I speak to quite a few people who are involved in it, it's basically taken as gospel if it comes from Steve McGowan. Right now, that that is obviously because he has been able to cultivate um, really, really good relationships with members of Celtic Football Club. Uh, people talk about sources. I'll come back to sources in a minute because everybody seems to have a source now, Kevin. You know, um, and you get a WhatsApp message and all the rest of it. Now, I've, I have dealt heavily in source management in a previous life, and I sometimes giggle at, at the way that people go on about. Oh, I've got a source, and I've got all this and that, and you just know it's a, it's a nonsense. It almost to add weight and credibility to their own um, kind of standing uh, within alternative media, and you see it on social media, you see it in, in blogs. Uh, to be honest with you, and this is no, um, absolutely no slight on any fellow podcasters, I, because we are producing on a daily basis, Kev, I've not had the time to listen to the fellow podcasters out there. I, I, there's a lot that I've got a lot of respect for, obviously, and we worked with quite a lot of them over the quadruple treble weekend, and there's nothing there. There's no, in terms of static, there's there's no rivalry there whatsoever. I think everybody does their own thing, and it's great, superb, you know, and we've got a lot of respect for them. But I haven't had time to listen to them recently, Kev because we've been so entrenched in doing what we're doing. Um, but again, I don't think that they come out and say, I'm in the know, I've got a source. But I see a lot of that. I see a lot of it on social media. I see a lot of it in the blogging world. Um, and one thing you did say that resonates with me is that there are certain people in the, the blogosphere who are fed information from directly from Peter Lowell. A hundred percent that happens. I mean, that there's no doubt about it. Um, it's been happening for a long, long time. And by the way, I can confirm exclusively that a Celtic State of Mind are not on that list. We don't get anywhere near the club. They tell us nothing. Um, but what I was what I was pitching at you is, are they cute enough? And I would guess that they are. I would guess that they are. So, first, first of all, what you say is the Stephen McGowan uh, story is a hundred percent cast iron, good intelligence or good source material that he's been given, right? So he's been given that information direct from source. So it's come from the club. He's reported on it, and the way he reports it, for me, is absolutely cast iron. He's he's superb at what he does. Now, that doesn't mean to say the information he's been given is true. 
and this is this is where I would backtrack a wee bit. Are the club utilising, let's say, the mainstream media channels that they have been using, Kevin, and then some of the fan stroke alternative stroke rebel media uh, channels that they've been exploiting? for want of a better word, right, over the years. So the, the, the plant in this story that Neil Lennon is going to remain in charge until the end of the season, you then see it coming through certain blogs online and you see it coming through via the Daily Mail and then all the other news sources dive on it and then the source of the Daily Mail as being the source. Now, are the club cute enough to have dropped that story in there and just seen how it ripples, seen how, what the reaction is on social media, seen what the reaction is on podcasts that are getting big, big viewing figures. Do you think they're cute enough, Kev, first and foremost? Of course they are. They've used it for years and years, but I don't know why they would need to actually gauge the reaction of the support at this time, knowing full well that keeping Neil Lennon in the summer wouldn't wouldn't actually solve anything. It's basically like saying to Neil Lennon, uh, go and sleep in the spare room. If he stay four months, you get custody of the guinea pig in the big telly. <laughs> there's, there's no point in doing it. There's no point in doing it whatsoever. It's just, then the players will switch off from Neil Lennon knowing for the one, he's a lamed up manager. It's not going to work. I think Ronnie Dyla left with five, says he was leaving with five games left or something like that. It was right at the tail end of the season. Um, you can't do it with four months. You cannot do it with four months to go in the season. I mean, you have a, you have a look at the, 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 the CQN blog yesterday. The tone of it was extremely, was the same as the meeting the affiliation had with, with, with Peter Wall in December. The tone of the message was exactly the same. We've got a plan. We always plan ahead. Uh, don't worry about it. Um, what I was worried about in the, the, the CQN thing was we wouldn't accept anybody that's out of work at this point. At this point. Uh, we wouldn't accept anybody that would leave a job at this point, like Brendan Rogers, and we wouldn't accept anybody that's desperate for a job. And I'm going, well, who are we going to accept? We'd be looking on the margins. We'd be looking for value. And I'm going, wait a minute, we've tried looking for value. The only time that this project's actually worked is when we went and got the best manager that, that, that we could. And I mentioned after the game on, on Wednesday night, Atletico Bilbao, they're the, third, they're, the, they're the third most successful side in Spain. They go in and get the best manager that they can. Mm -hmm. And that's where we should be looking now. Going to get a manager, we should not be looking for value. We should not be looking for, I think the term that was used, Goldilocks. I'm, going, I'm doing the inverted commas here. It must be a Celtic thing. Uh, a Goldilocks manager. No, no, let's not get a Goldilocks manager. Let's get a manager that we know can improve the whole club from top to bottom. Now, what, what, what's the Goldilocks reference, Kev? Sorry, that's just gone right over my head. It went out right over my head as well. Is it somebody that can eat a lot of porridge? I don't know. I, 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 I really don't know. Someday it's not been spied yet. Someday it's not been, like, has uh, got more success than Ronnie Dyler, but not the same success as Rafa Benitez. So someday it's in the middle that's not in a it's not in a top five league. That's what I think it means. That's what that's what I really think it means. But I, I might be I might be wrong there. I don't, I don't get that reference. Like a lot of folk didn't get my references. So I'm not I'm not going to slag anybody about not getting a reference. But, but for we me, are. but for me, it's time to go out and make sure that your manager's the highest paid guy at the club. 
Well, some brilliant points there. Uh, talking about your references, we are working on a compilation of your best so far of the season, Kevin, so I'm looking forward to that. But the best that you can get, th- this is where um, so many other aspects of the club are, are brought into view, you know, with regards to whether the list was accurate or not. The information I've got is that uh, the wages that uh, were released are pretty accurate. Um 60-odd grand a week on three loanees, um, you know, who really aren't playing every week and they're certainly not pivotal to the squad, is a horrendous amount of money to be shelling out for somebody else's players, Kevin, when they're not contributing to a successful Celtic side. That three million quid a year, for me, is better spent on the management team. You know, we need to have a different view on what, what does a Celtic manager get paid right now probably in fact no problem about it he doesn't get paid as much as the last one got paid but he still he still gets paid a, a very lucrative contract you know it's not as though um, he's getting 300 grand a year which by the way would be a brilliant wage for you and I but for a football manager at a club like Celtic he's getting paid what one and a half 1.2 something along those lines and then you, you look at uh, the comparative salaries in Serie A for example he would be one of the highest paid managers in Serie A with a wage like that so it's not as though he's, he's the cheap option I've seen that so many times he's not been the cheap option because it's not been a case of us um, having a Neil Lennon for two years who has unearthed Victor Wanyama, Virgil van Dijk, Moussa Dembele, and we've made tens of millions of pounds. It's actually cost us a lot of money. How many of the, the transfers have actually been a success, both on the park and in turning Celtic a profit over the last two years? So it hasn't been a cheap option. We've failed to qualify twice for the European uh, Champions League. Therefore, it's not been a cheap option. So that, again, is a total fallacy. Um, you're better to take that three million quid, Kevin, and stick it into the budget for a management team, in my opinion. And I think a lot of Celtic fans are thinking the same. And the, the example you gave is absolutely spot on. But then people may say, well, you don't get a three million pound a year manager if you don't have a big fat budget to give them as well. And I've been making, I've seen all the comparisons, I've seen the league tables, I've seen us being compared to previous Celtic sides in the nine in a row era, Kevin. I've heard about the Tony Mowbray moment, I've heard about the John Barnes moment. But one thing that I am now convinced, and it it came from a discussion I had on Thursday with JP Mason on a Celtic state of mind, I'm convinced this pre-season we're about to enter, I say about, it can't come quick enough, this pre-season we're going to enter this summer, Kevin. It's very similar in my lifetime. Probably the most similar pre-season that I can think of was the one post-John Barnes. Now, the reason I say it is, obviously, the Barnes and Dalgleish system didn't work. It cost us a lot of money to get rid of them. It cost us a lot of money um, in the wages we had shelled out on the players they had brought in. It cost us a, a lot of money to bring in a new management team and then even more money to reinvest in the squad. So my concern is that we're now entering that similar period, that similar ballpark, you know, we're 20 odd points behind the the league winners back then when John Barnes and Dick could... This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Gleish left. Um, at the moment, we're 20 points behind the league leaders. So there's loads of similarities. You know, whoever comes in is going to inherit a few players that have 
cost a lot of money, Kev, and haven't done it for Celtic. It was the same back then. We brought in Berkovic and Raphael Scheidt. There was no way they had a, a future at Celtic under Martin O'Neill when he came in. But they'd cost... £10 million plus, similar to Barkas Nayeti, for example. There's a lot of similarities, but what scares me a wee bit is that the the actual massive uh, amount of investment that was required to put that right last time round to ensure that we put it right immediately. You know, it wasn't as though we were bringing Martin O'Neill in so that we could win the league within his first three seasons. It had to be one there and then. Otherwise, we wouldn't be buying Chris Sutton for six million, Alan Thompson for four and a half, etc. It goes on and on and on. So th- these are the things that are concerning me. You've done a lot of research on that period in Celtic's history. Do you think there are similar similarities going into this pre-season compared to the, the one that uh, Barnes and Douglas left us in? I think there is. I think just the, the way. I mean, this is probably going to end up being our worst season in twenty years since it since the Barnes since the Barnes season. And there is. I've done a lot of research round about that period. I've done a lot of writing round about that period. And this was this was a period where Dermot Desmond basically took control of Celtic Football Club. He came in, and he has. I mean. There's a whole there's a whole story basically. Alan Alan McDonald wanted uh, Gus Hiddink, spent a lot of time with Gus Hiddink, also spent a lot of time with Sven Goran Eriksson, strangely enough. Uh, but then uh, Sven Goran Eriksson's Lazio won the won the, the Scudetto. Um so Eriksson wasn't on wasn't on the radar. And it looked close to Hiddink was going to come to Celtic until De- uh, until Desmond managed to talk Martin O'Neill into it. Could I, could I just dive in for a sec? And this is from memory. I've not looked at the, the records as closely as you have recently. Wasn't it the case that Hiddink was being tipped even within the pages of the Celtic View? Yes, it was. It was a weekly, it was a weekly thing. Um, we actually done an interview with Pierre Van Hoydonk to talk up Gus Hiddink. Um, when you look at the columns that were in the Celtic view at that time, Hiddink was the man. Hiddink was going to be the Celtic manager. And he, he was at Real Betis at that point and he got sacked for Betis. And, and everybody, everybody thought he was uh, he was in... Uh, that was a surprise to me. He got sacked for Betis and Real Betis got, um, got uh, relegated that season from La Liga. So he was actually out of work at that time. There was no compensation to be paid. Mm. And it really looked like that uh, uh, he was going to end up the Celtic manager. I'll, I'll go back to the comments in two seconds, but it is athletic. Sorry, I got I says it was athletic, oh, but it is athletic. Sorry, I know that. I, I know there'll be pedantics out there that are, that are going to be really annoyed when we saying that. That, that that was that was an error, an error on my half, on my behalf. Um, so what basically happened is all turned up to a meeting in London, and. Uh, Alan McDonald was ready to wheel out the Gus Hiddink project, how much it was going to cost, what he needed, this and that. And Desmond De- Desmond walked in with Martin O'Neill and says, here is a new manager of Celtic Football Club. And that was it. Martin won everybody over in the room, in the room and that was it. Within two and a half months, Alan McDonald was no longer in his role. Mm. At that point, it was a massive power play. 
yeah. Desmond at that point. No, what, what, didn't get me wrong. Desmond also wanted Joe Kinnear at one point. So, so he, he, he has got a history there of of a, having a blind blind spot for Irishmen. Uh, can, can we say? But that was a power power play, and we could see that again. I was thinking about the Ross Desmond thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm bringing in Ross Desmond, and I'm going. Is that just nepotism? Is that just? I don't think so. I think if you bring in Ross, Ross Desmond to actually take care of his inheritance, and his, his inheritance basically, you might get you might get more of an interest or a more visible interest. I, I don't believe Desmond is a standoff as what people think. I've read too much to say he's not as as standoffish as what people think. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking we're really having a look at Desmond coming in now and going. By the way, this is my call now. The same it was, same as it was with Rogers, but his call has to be. I was in a meeting with the delegates to the affiliation on Thursday night, and we were looking at the way forward for us to to open dialogue with the club again after the meeting in December. And basically, we're all we're all admitting it. It doesn't matter changing manager if you don't change the CEO. So for me, bringing in Ross Desmond could actually be a very good sign for us that the club's mo- then moving forward. The club is now looking to actually punch its weight. But that also means that Ross Desmond actually has to have a choice in picking the new manager. Could, I could, that, be- could, that, could that be the delay? Well, could this is the, the thing. Delay? Yeah, there's a few. there are a few um, possibilities around this delay, Kevin, that we'll be talking about. But if I could play devil's advocate for a moment, I'm going to ask you the question in relation to all the things that Peter Lowell has done well at Celtic, right? So he's been in the job, he's in his 18th year, and I know that uh, there are, are power of Celtic fans out there who are unhappy with the way, not only that he's dealt with this, but the way that he dealt with the appointment of Neil Lennon in the first place, Kevin, the way that he has failed to um, you know, build on success, the nine years of success, are we in a good place right now as a result of that? Well, financially... Yes, but we could have been financially better off had we performed better in the Champions League. We've got to look at our performance in Europe. You've also got to look at the way that the club has dealt with other issues uh, within Scottish football under Peter Lowell. And I obviously mean the demise of Rangers Football Club and everything that came out of that in relation to Resolution 12 um, stroke 11 and how the club kicked that can down the road to the point where it was basically just hidden from view. Um, you know, and th- this left a, a really a real bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, Kevin, the way that that's been dealt with, the fact we agreement, you know, basically saying to shareholders, I've never seen it, where it would suggest that, you know, it, the club have seen it, and if the club have seen it, as a CEO, he should have seen it. Um, so that there's a lot of things that have not been done well under Peter Lowell, but he, we can't say he's not done his job well. I mean, in terms of finance, well, I think we'll all admit, you know, the pounds and the pence and the accountancy and the finance of the club and the marketing and all that side of it, the commercial side of it, um, he's done extremely well. And that's why we're in a, a very powerful position in terms of the financial stability of the club. So the reason I'm bringing that up, is there a future with the current CEO if he was able to change his ways in terms of interfering with Recruitment, for example, and the the football side of the business, or is that impossible? Is he too stuck in his ways? Is he too controlling? 
Um, I don't think the fans would accept if he's still there in his current role. I mm-hmm. think I think the time is up. No matter if he says he was going to change his ways, because he's never he's never admitted what his ways are. Mm-hmm. So, so I you would there would have to be a change. I reckon the change will be that he'll move sideways. He'll move right. to a non-executive role and carry on on uh, the boards that he's with, with UEFA and whatever whatever other stuff that he'll come they'll do. But there would need to be a definite structure change for the fans to accept it. For, mm-hmm. for me, anyway. You can also say, aye, he's done well with the pounds, pounds, shilling and pence and all that. But then he's also, under his watch, we've also not reached our potential in the Champions League. We haven't qualified enough for the Champions League when we've basically had a free run of it. Agreed. Um, um, over, over, over the, since 2012, over the last... Over, over, over the last, we have had great domestic success, but that domestic, that the four trebles were built on bringing in Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> let's not let's not beat about the bush here. The four the four trebles were built on Brendan Rodgers, and as soon as Rodgers left, it took eighteen months for us to to the wheels to come off it for it to unravel. I'm going to ask you something, Kevin, because you mentioned a couple of times about the the Celtic affiliation, and I've got to say that you have educated me over the last three and a half years in relation to who the affiliation are, what they do. How are they different from the, the association? Uh, what exactly they do for, for the fan base? Um, the third, the third group, the third association that, um, have come to light. They've been around for a long time, but they're very active at this moment in time. Kevin, of course, are the Celtic Trust. So we've got three different, uh, organizations that represent the Celtic support. And I've seen particularly the association and affiliation coming in for a bit of stick on social media about the silence. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the club's silence is deafening. Um, what can you tell us about it? Because I know you're no longer um, as much involved with the association as you have been in previous years, Kevin. But you have a knowledge, a working knowledge of how they, they operate. Um, it's not a case of them basically just sitting there and doing nothing, is it? No, it's not. It's not. The, the problem, is, it's, not, it's not a problem with affiliation as we the affiliation represents Celtic supporters clubs out with the Glasgow area. That's why they, they, they were they were formed by Peter Rafferty, and basically we've, uh, we've got members from right away up in Elgin, right away down to the borders in Scotland, up in Oban as well. Eh? Oban as well. Eh? We've got a wide we've got a wide demographic of supporters clubs, even even Kirkcaldy. Even I mean, I mean the basic, basically the, the big, all the biggest clubs are based in uh, central Scotland, the Stirling area, Grangemouth, and Fife. Now, there's, there's a heartland of Celtic Celtic clubs in that area, and a lot of, a lot in Lanarkshire as well. Lanarkshire as well. A lot of people see Celtic as a only as a Glasgow club, and if it wasn't for the guys who travel for all over Scotland, who have got the same Irish immigrant roots as the east end of Glasgow, Celtic wouldn't have 56,000 season ticket holders. It just wouldn't be the case. So what the affiliation have always done, what really annoys me, I was on the committee of the affiliation for years and years, and it, got, and it was thrown at me all the time, I get it for comfy seats and tickets. I wish, I wish I had a comfy seat. There's only, there's only one supporter's body that's got four season tickets in the, in the director's in the director's box, and that's a, that's the association. It's not it's not the affiliation. We never got anything whatsoever. Uh, when 
when Brendan Rodgers took over, our ticket allocation was slashed. Mm. And we didn't get more tickets, we got less tickets. So all this, ah, you're only doing it to keep your ticket allocation, it's a load of rubbish. Absolute load of rubbish. Uh, they, they do things for their members, they keep things in-house, and, and they do have an open dialogue with the club. I try to change it by making statements in public and trying to get more engaged in social media and that. And some of the guys, it wasn't for them. It just wasn't for them. So they do things differently. As I say, I was at a meeting on Thursday night, and they're now looking to how, after the meeting they had with Peter Wall in December, they're now looking what to do next after after this weekend, and maybe things become a bit clearer after the review. So that's mm. currently ongoing. They're not sitting there saying nothing against the club. They have been very vocal against the club in their own way, and which is behind what and our members know. And we don't speak for the whole support, we only speak for our members, which is, and it's, di- it's different for the trust who want more public support, they want more money, they want more uh, subscriptions and they want to buy shares. They, they can be as vocal as they want. We've got to represent our members and do it in a certain way. Yeah, definitely. You see, when you look at the trust, <clears throat> Kevin, as you say, they've been very vocal. Uh, I think they do it in a good way, I've got to say. Um, obviously, there was a... There was a statement just last week, I think it was, from the Green Brigade, who basically said, you know, we are putting our weight behind what the Celtic Trust are doing. We want to push for fan representation eventually on the board. I think what we've seen over the last, this season and, and probably before then, is that disconnect that we keep talking about, Kev. Uh, so the Celtic Trust and the Green Brigade are kind of pushing for, exactly what you say there, an increase in membership. Uh, it gives them more power. Uh, do you think that's something that realistically could happen? in the future for Celtic, for, for fan representation to be on the board. I spoke yesterday briefly with Tony Haggerty all about that. He reckons that that has to be the way forward. I'm just seeing Rafa Benitez on Sky Sports here. Obviously, the breaking news, that's why I brought up the hashtag from um, Check It's DJ, is that he has left his position in the Chinese Super League, as I think we suggested he would. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll throw that one out to you about the fan representation just while I have a look at this statement coming from Rafa. Um, with regards to the fan representation when I I was heavily involved with affiliation we used to have great dialogue with the club we we used to have dialogue with the club meetings once every five or six weeks but that was when the banner of shame as it was called was up on the top tier of the stand that's when that you couldn't um, you could get an away ticket, no problem. Doesn't mm. matter where you wanted to go, you could get an away ticket, no problem, because corporate weren't taking their away tickets, and it didn't matter. I mean, you have a look at, have a look at under Ronnie Dyla and just the tail end of Lennon's reign. You go to Rugby Park, and I know we we'll, we'll, we'll had a beef with Kilmarnock anyway, but the two stands weren't full. Like you would be lucky if there was a two, three thousand Celtic fans there. Um, and you, you go to any away game, you could get a ticket for any away game whatsoever during those periods. And we, we and the club were coming to us for ideas how to re-engage with the support. Mm-hmm. As soon as they got that 52,000 season ticket holders, that dialogue stopped. 
That guy I will completely stopped. And that's how, when I sit here and go, the only way the club listens to you is to withhold money is because that's my experience. That is my whole experience from the club. It's the only way that they listen to you, the only way that they take your ideas on board is when it will be financially beneficial for them. Mm-hmm. The, the standing section, and I'll put my hands up, I was, I was involved in the tail end of getting the, the standing section put through. No, a big thing I read the report for, I can't even remember the boy's name, this guy who had done the stadium reports in Germany and for the Ukraine and Poland uh, Euros. I was in that meeting, I saw the guy's report when they took it back to Glasgow City Council. And basically we got that standing section was because we knew it would benefit Celtic financially. We knew the club. If they got behind the Green Brigade, for them to get the standing section, it would benefit the clubs uh, financially because folk would go, they're doing stuff for the support. And, mm-hmm. it, and it worked out that way. And it worked out for the atmosphere. Increase the atmosphere, increase the sort of... Uh, increase the sort of the... The atmosphere, the match, the match day. Increase the match... The, improve the match day. And you would get more people turning up. And that's exactly what's happened. Point, appoint a top-level manager. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. And that dialogue stops. And that's one of the things that we were speaking about on Thursday night was to start that dialogue again. Uh, well, it should should never have stopped. I mean, that, that's terrible management, eh, from, from a club the, the size of Celtic. Uh, just on the point, two things that have come up, obviously, in our conversation. The Green Brigade, I'm going to go back to Rafa in a second, but the Green Brigade and what they have provided to Celtic Football Club in terms of, on the baseline, the spectacle that they create um, for fans old and new. And I say new because obviously, um, you know, people are experienced in Celtic Park for the first time going with their dads and their, and their uncles and all that kind of stuff. But also um, something that, you know, does happen is, is the tourist element as well. Kevin, you know, you remember around about the time of Ronnie Dyla being there, you, you did see uh, quite regularly groups of Norwegian fans at Celtic Park. Um, I myself have brought German fans over, um, fans of Sancta Pauli as well uh, what they want to see is they want to go down uh, the Gallagate and bear with me for a second because my yeah, camera has disappeared oh, there you are there you go you're back that, that's uh, Celtic's Gremlins interfering with our broadcast again um, but they do want to see the Celtic way they want to see the huddle they want to hear you'll never walk alone and they want to find out what this thing called the Green Brigade is all about it's, it's become an integral part of the match day experience for everybody that goes right how do you think I mean during the this season where we've not been able to go to the games how do you think the relationship with the club has been affected do you think it's been adversely affected in any way? I think it has. It has been adversely affected. I think when you get an increase in corporate, which Brendan Rodgers did bring, and which is a massive income stream to the club, that that overtakes a normal punter. It does not overtake a normal punter. And you see these guys who have been going for years and years who would turn up to Kilmarnock on a wet Wednesday night when there's only 2,000 Celtic fans there, all of a sudden can I get a ticket? Because you've got all these I'm not going to say what was it, the Brendan Blondes, somebody called them, somebody called them on that meeting the other night there and I thought that, I thought that was quite appropriate because um, they, they're now getting, they've now shelled out for the corporate and they've, and they've now got access to the tickets. I mean, the, the, the more I remember under Ronnie Dyla, I felt more connected to the club and what I did under Brendan Rodgers. 
because the club were in dialogue, what seemed to be more in dialogue with, with the fans all the time. Mm-hmm. Then you got Brendan. I felt more in contact with the team under Brendan because he developed that holy trinity. The yeah. club, the management, and everybody. I mean, how many times when he when he started bringing them round the round the pitch and they would stop I, my seat, well, my current seat, if I, or if, if I'm ever allowed back in because of my comments on the board it is above the is above the standing section. And I used to love just going down the front of that stand when the players would come up and the and the game brigade would be go given it given it you high and it was fantastic you felt really connected to the players you felt like we were all in it together and this season we haven't felt like we're all in it together and that's that 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 started 18 months ago when we appointed Neil Lennon when when the it was actually it actually started when Brendan left and the rumors and the the and the the poor story started coming out. Brendan's walked out. Uh, he's walked out and left us. When we're now started hearing stuff, by the way, that was the really the case. He was he was uh, he was basically not forced out, but the, he he had an unworkable relationship with the CEO, mm-hmm. who who didn't like the the power that Brendan Rodgers could bring. Now I'm, I've got a comment there for Aaron Black, and uh, uh, who says the GB getting the standing section mainly got Brendan Rodgers. I didn't actually say that. I didn't say that. So you, you misheard me. That happens from time to time, Kev. Everybody right. says out there in the public domain. Uh, sometimes you say things and it gets 400 tweets from Rangers fans on Twitter, which is always uh, always nice for them, Kev. But on the note of Rafa, I'm going to nip over to the comment section for a few seconds. I've had this comment up on the screen for a while. I'm not here to start rumours and I'm not here to give you false information, but I'm going to give you some information. Check it's DJ, welcome Rafa, hashtag. I've got a few others coming in. Van isn't happy. He's ready to riot. He or she is ready to riot on YouTube. Um, You never know. What might happen is... Going to Roy Croppy's uh, comment, what is, what might happen is Celtic might pull a rabbit out the hat. How are they going to shift season tickets if there's no change? That will definitely be at the forefront of their mind. And this is what I'm saying, you know, I'm speculating in relation to the, the information that was fed at the beginning of the week, Kevin. Neil Lennon stays for the rest of the season. I'm speculating that that's been drip fed so they can see the reaction from the fans. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Maybe I'm way off the mark. That's just my opinion. I'm throwing it out there, right? No factual evidence whatsoever. And I'm not saying for a minute that uh, Stephen McGowan's been used and abused and exploited. The guy's a brilliant journalist and there's no doubt about it whatsoever. And I trust what he says. I really do. Um, so... Obviously, just before we came on live, Kevin Graham says to me, you heard Rafa Benitez has walked uh, from the Chinese Super League. I've seen the statement coming through on the, on the screen to my left up here, Kev. Um, basically, he was saying that, you know, the COVID has been a part of that. I'm guessing he wants to, to come back to Europe, I'm guessing, from the statement that I've just read there. Um, but, you know, the more optimistic Celtic fans might think that uh, the wheels are in motion. Um, someone's just switched my light off outside. That's, I'm telling you, one minute they switched my camera. Uh, the funny thing is, I'm in the studio myself, so I don't know who that was. Um, the camera went off, the lights have gone off. What next? They're just going to switch off my mic before I tell you my Rafa story. Um, Rafa Benitez has left his role in China. And, you know, what I'm going to have to do here is... As I said in the past, Kevin, we get we get a lot of information, don't we? we? We don't claim to be in the know, but we get sent information all the time about Celtic. Now, if I had read out every single bit that I'd, that I'd been given, right, 
99% of it would have been false. Would that be about the same for yourself? Aye, definitely. 99% of it would have been false. But there are a couple of people, and you know that they are good sources due to the fact that they are associating with people who are very, very close to the club or who are part of the club. Simple as that, right? So when these people tell you information, you don't start blatting it all out because you actually think to yourself, you don't want to affect it, this and that. But what I can do is I can tell you that I've mentioned a couple of times about when Neil Lennon took over second time round. Now, you didn't agree with it. Many other Celtic fans didn't agree with it at the time. You're not just saying it with hindsight. You said it at the time on a podcast. And I says to you that, obviously, we're going to support Neil Lennon anyway. You know, I was like everybody else walking away from Hamden that day. My car was parked outside the Beechwood. There was a live band and everything on that day. And I went there with a few friends and I was walking back and I heard, just like everybody else, I heard the news that Neil Lennon had been given a job permanently and then listened to the radio on the way home. Did it take away from the fact that we had won another treble? Um, for me, there was an air of, you know what, what else could the club do? Uh, he's just won us the league, he's just won us the, the Scottish Cup, he's just wrapped up the treble after everything that happened with Brendan Rodgers. So I was mixed, I've got to say. But there was a message came through a, one week before the cup final, I think I've showed you, and somebody asked me, have you heard anything about the manager, as if I'm going to know, right? Uh, but I said that I want Rafa Benitez. Now remember on this this podcast uh, at some point in the season, Kevin, and you, you threw it back to me, I don't know if you had completely tipped over at this point you say to me well who who would you expect to be who do you want as a Celtic manager remember he said it I and I, you know and I said well go for a top manager go for a top manager you can afford go for Martinez and Maloney and I can still hear people laughing at me um, all these months later now I, I can understand why why would you leave the world's number one uh, nation to come to Celtic well I'll tell you why money that's why and that's why Rafa Benitez was in China anyway Going back to the time where apparently there had been all these CVs and they hadn't been looked at, the information I've been given is that was nonsense. That wasn't the case at all. Um, now, Neil Lennon didn't know that he was getting the job before the Scottish Cup final. Uh, there had been various meetings and there was somebody in the frame who they were talking to and that somebody was Rafa Benitez. So Celtic were in discussions with Rafa back then. Now, the players around about that time, as is the way, had heard that uh, Rafa Benitez was in the frame and there was a sense of deflation when it didn't happen. I'm not going to say there was a sense of deflation when Neil Lennon was appointed, when it didn't happen, Kevin, because if you think your previous manager's been Brennan Rodgers, then Rafa comes in. And you look at the honours that that guy's won all over Europe, you know, and um, in various different countries, you know, just, you know, Spain, England, Italy, the guys, wherever he's gone, maybe apart from China, he's done really, really well. Um, Senior players were asked as part of the process and they were all for Rafa Benitez coming in. He decided at the last minute um, that it wasn't happening. Rafa Benitez decided that and they didn't have a contingency. Uh, obviously, Neil Lennon wins a treble, he gets the job. So the comments with the CVs in the drawer was just a nonsense. It was a deflection tactic so that, you know, the new man in charge knows that he was the first choice, Kevin. And you can understand that. But just so that Celtic fans know, the ones that come in and say Rafa Benitez, Celtic, that's never going to happen. Celtic were in discussions with him, Kev. And that's from a very, very close source to the club. 
they were in discussions with him last time round. So I'm going to ask you because I'm going to put you on the spot. Is it an option right now in the here and now? Is it an option? I, I, I would. <laughs> I would want to believe it's an option. I need to believe it's an option to actually get me through to the end of the season. Um, when when Neil Lennon was appointed, I, I've said this, folk can go back and actually listen l- l- listen to what I says. I, w- I was waving goodbye to him when he had that Scottish Cup at the corner flag. I didn't expect him to be there the following season. And I, I couldn't believe that the club, after they saw what Brendan Rodgers had done to the club, would go back the way. And they, and they went back the way, and that's been proved that we have went back the way. Rafa should be an option. Eddie Howe should be an option. They should who, be, who do you think? Who do you think? Be, who do you think Scotty supports? Uh, I did not Ken Motherwell, maybe. Mm-hmm. Some club, some club like that. Aye. No disrespect to Motherwell. Um, so I was really disappointed that that they went back back the way. Rafa should be a Rafa should be a. a an option. Eddie Howe should be an option. Anybody should be an option that's at that level. You can only ask. You can only say, this is what we've got to offer you. And But with these guys, you've got to give them full control. You've got to give them fun, full control of the project. And sometimes that hasn't Sometimes that hasn't happened. It didn't even happen with Brendan. It happened up to a point um, when, when Brendan didn't they get the, the three guys that, who are now where I'm at Leicester, strangely enough, um, being successful at Le- Leicester. I, I think it was uh, Anthony for four times in a pod actually says the other night and, uh, on Twitter, he says, we've now got a guy, our, our ex-managers down in England up, going up against Jurgen Klopp and Pep, and, and Pep. He says, we've got a guy that's getting beat off with Rab McGlinchey that was managing an amateur team five years ago. And I says, well, maybe that's levels. Eh? No, that's the levels where we are at the moment. Now, Cristiano Dazzler uh, is watching on YouTube. By the way, if you are watching on YouTube, you might have noticed that your subscription base is going up. We're working hard to produce content every day. Not just broadcast, Kevin. There's a lot of other projects in the in the mix, Celtic projects that we're working on, pre-recorded stuff, um, big interviews. Obviously, there's been a, a wee delay on that because of the lockdown. Loads of stuff happening at Celtic State of Mind, and if you want to keep up to date with it, just subscribe to YouTube. It's free. Uh, like our videos, because there's a few out there that click uh, dislike even before we start, Kev. You know, that's just the way it is. But uh, yeah, get get behind us and uh, subscribe to us. But Cristiano is watching on YouTube. Neil was only the cheap option and given a job in a dressing room and on a rolling contract. You know, that rolling contract, you know what? I don't think having something in a rolling contract is a cheap option. Now, I'll go back to the John Barnes scenario, Kevin. I, do, I can't remember. You might have this uh, information to hand. I can't remember what John Barnes, Terry McDermott and Eric Black were paid in terms of their payouts. But Kenny Dalglish in an out-of-court settlement got paid just under seven hundred grand from Celtic that season prior to Martin O'Neill coming in. Now, that was well, it's a hell of a lot of money now, but it was a massive amount of money back then uh, for a managerial payout. The cheap option, right, so you go for Brennan Rodgers, but we got £9 million quid for Brennan Rodgers. So there's an investment element of that as well. How much will we get for Neil Lennon when he leaves? Well, you know, th- th- so you also have to pay that, that entire year contract. And, and again, that may be part of the delay. There might be ongoing negotiations here, Kev. Well, it's came out today if, uh, that the... Again, Stephen McGowan has actually came out with it again today that the payoff fee is three hundred grand for Neil Lennon. 
Mm. That's in the contract. So it's not the 1.2 million that's been cited over a couple of weeks. It's 300 grand. And maybe that's a benefit of having a rolling contract that has got a set severance fee in it. Mm-hmm. And that is a set severance fee. Neil Lennon's comment after the, the Livingston game the other night, um, we've spoke about this. I says months ago that Neil Lennon would never get another job in football after the Celtic job. And I was called an utter disgrace when I actually says it. You were, you were called an utter disgrace by people who create Celtic content, which I find a bit distasteful, I've got to say, because you know what? Um, I've always been one for supporting other Celtic content, depending, or it doesn't matter if it's a fanzine, doesn't matter if it's a podcast. I've always, I always will, actually. So when I see comments like that, Kevin... Uh, and they're poking fun at something that's been said elsewhere. I think it lacks a bit of class, to be honest with you. So I remember it because I, I remember sending you a couple of the comments that had been made elsewhere from you, various courses, uh, sources. I, I know you, you done myself esteem well there, eh, sending me sending me comments. <laughs> if folk call me call me call me a disgrace, Kevin. Um, I am collecting comments that are made about me, mate. Um, I'm going to put them in a compilation as well. But uh, I, you've just got to let it. Um, let it go, don't you? I mean, I know. Ma- imagine taking everything to heart. You wouldn't know, do this. I know, I know, I know. I'll be on the guy. I'll be on the phone to Max Colby all the time. He's a good guy. Max is a good guy. He's doing a lot of good work out there. Anyway, Neil Lennon's comment the other night that he says Celtic is my life, and I'm not going to walk away is the reason that he won't work in football again. He won't go anywhere else. He's left, he's went to Bolton, he's went to Hibs, he's came back to Celtic. He won't work in football again because of that comment, Celtic is his life. He'll need to apologise to Sky, he'll need to apologise to Andy Walker because he's going to end up working with Andy Walker in the next 18 months when he when he eventually does leave Celtic because that, that is his future. His future's not in management anymore. I liked him as a pundit, by the way. I've got to say that. Um, now, Kevin, on that note, though, with Neil Lennon, let's talk a wee bit about Lenny, OK? I'm allowed to call him Lenny. It doesn't mean to say I'm pretending to be his pal. You know, you, you use the different alternatives. Neil Lennon, Lennon, Lenny. I think Lenny's all right. Calling him Lennon, uh, you know. So, Neil Lennon, for me, he is at a stage now that you could say, well, it's not in his character to quit. He doesn't know when he's beat. You could say that. And I think that he's shown enough of that in his time at Celtic, Kevin. Um, I think also, you know, when he came out after the... I think the Dubai trip and the press conference has changed whatever the plan was going to be. I really do, uh, for obvious reasons. But, you know, at the same time, you've also got to take into account the added pressure um, that that has created on Neil Lennon. Now, this is where there's a balancing act. Because if something's not going well, and you watched that display uh, last week against Livingston in the snow, I can't come out and say, right, because I'm concerned about Neil Lennon's um, stability or uh, the stress levels that Neil Lennon's under, that doesn't mean to say I can't criticise what I've just watched. So there's a balance to strike. At no point have I ever come out and abused him, called him names, called him a mercenary, I've never done that, or a charlatan, you know, Tony was saying this yesterday, I have never done that with Neil Lennon. What I've said is that, you know, when you look at the management, you look at the tactics, there's an ineptitude there uh, with Neil Lennon at Celtic, and he's not up to the task, and he's he's out of his depth. I've said things like that, and I, and I firmly believe it, but on the flip side, I totally take into account that the pressure he is under is astronomical levels. 
So what you've said there, yes, there are many, many issues that have been created in the aftermath of Dubai and the now infamous press conference. Sky Sports, there's an issue, which obviously the club didn't agree with Neil Lennon because we've allowed players to speak to them. St. Johnson and Hamilton, other Scottish clubs, the goodwill has obviously been damaged. Um, and both clubs have come out and made statements to say that what Neil Lennon said was inaccurate. The Scottish government, love them or loathe them, you don't want to fall out with them as a football club, Kevin, and we have. You know, we've been dragged into conversations by the Scottish government far too many times this season. Now, Big Lawrence, who comes on, he stands up for Celtic sometimes in that respect, Kevin, saying that we're getting used and we're getting held to a different standards. And these are the words that Neil Lennon has also used. If that had been the case, I'm pretty sure the club uh, will have already taken action and it would have all been done behind the scenes. So it would lead me to believe, as well as the, the comments made by Deputy First Minister John Swinney, that what Neil Lennon said wasn't accurate. Now, the reason he's saying it is because he's in the firing line himself and he's, he's basically defending himself and he's defending the club. But if you're, what you're saying is inaccurate, yeah, it's not going to get you anywhere. So there's a lot of relationships breaking down here as a result of this. Another one, and I spoke about this last week as well, and I tweeted about it, even his close um, ex-colleagues, some would say friends, Don Hartson and others, it might not have been made public, but there have been others that he's clashed with. Now, that's no good. That's no good for anybody. And we've all seen it, Kevin, when people are in a situation where they, they basically attack others, and I don't mean physically, I just mean, you know, verbally, it's your fault, it's your fault, and it's your fault. Now, what we've got to be aware of is that, you know, the best case scenario for everybody involved is that Neil Lennon's not under that level. He's always going to be under a level of pressure, Kev, but that's just been ranked up various, various notches over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I think that has to be at the forefront of any decision-making process as well. It does. When, when this is all done and dusted... And we look back on it when 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 we're having a successful season this time next year, hopefully. Neil Lennon will look back on it as well and go, I made mistakes. At the moment, he can't see the mistakes that he's actually making. And he'll maybe, in one year, two years, three years' time, he'll stick his hand up and go, that wasn't working. I should have went before I did go. I mean, it was, he, he's found a strange ally in Derek McInnes, who also brought up the dressing room protocols as well, eh? And now the Joint Response Committee are asking clubs to have a look at the uh, have a look at the protocols for players changing. Um, I, I sent you the message that I got from a, a professional football player who actually who right away says, well, what Neil Lennon says about them getting changed in dressing rooms is wrong is because the team that he plays for, they've been getting they've been getting changed in clubs' lounges. Mm -hmm. So and so they're socially distanced. And he also says about the number of players on the bus had changed because the football club that he plays for, they're having to drive to games because they can't afford the number of buses that they, that, that they would actually need to take them to games. So that was changed weeks ago. And for that to get thrown up as well and get shot down right away by a, a guy who plays professional football but is also a Celtic fan, saying that, saying, well, that's wrong. It just added a bit of cloud. You've got, you've got to be sure if you come out and all attack that you've got your facts right. Look, he was quite right to defend. If he believes it's right, he was quite right to come out and defend it. But I'm sure... 
later on, when when he looks back on it, when he writes his setting book, he might admit, by the way, I was wrong. We shouldn't have went to Dubai. It was the wrong thing to do at that time. Um, I should have left before, before whether he gets shown the door this week or it's the end of the season. What's it going to do to Neil Lennon sitting there for the next four months, knowing that he's leaving in the summer, knowing that we've gave up on him, basically? That's not support. That's not supporting your manager saying, I we're going to let you go in the summer. That, that, that is just, that's a bad management decision and one I don't think Neil would be able to handle. No, I don't think so. I don't think it, it would be a, a good place for anybody to be in, Kevin. You know, um, the other thing I said yesterday, and I would like to hear your thoughts on this, um, the late, great Tommy Burns, who uh, we all loved and love, uh, superb Celtic man, amazing stature at the club to this day. You know, everybody you speak, speak to in relation to Tommy Burns tell you stories about how he... he reaffirmed what the club was all about Kevin I've sp- I've spoken to even guys like you know um, Charlie Nicholas who talk about how Tommy Burns would take you to one side and he would give you what Celtic was all about that importance you know um, but obviously what happened in his kind of latter days and months at Celtic as a manager was this breakdown uh, between him and Fergus McCann uh, the relationship between him and Fergus McCann, I think, was fraught for the, for most of his time there. You even hear the story that John, you'll get. By the way, I'm just telling the story. I'm not name dropping, but John Yogi Hughes told us a story, right, about when he signs for Celtic and he goes to Bill McMurdo's house in Uddingston, and Tommy Burns and Billy Stark come in, and Bill McMurdo's got the Union Jack rug and all this kind of stuff, and he's he's giving them cups of tea and Rangers mugs and all this kind of stuff. But he was Yogi Hughes' agent at the time, and the deal was done without Fergus's knowledge. So there was and now that that was kind of earlier on in Tommy's career at, at, as man. That was in the second season, wasn't it, when he brought Yogi back, Yogi in uh, when we went back to Celtic Park. So I think the relationship between Tommy Burns and Fergus McCam wasn't always rosy, um, but obviously it deteriorated um, into the, the kind of third season. But what happened from there, and you'll know this again yourself, Kevin, researching your current project, is that Fergus McCann decided, you know what, I don't want to be in a situation where the club means too much to the manager. Now, that sounds absurd. It sounds absurd. But the criteria for the new manager was not only that he wasn't an XL, he couldn't be British. So Celtic at some point had an opportunity and I always love looking back wondering what would have happened if we'd gone for him. You've mentioned a few names, interesting names. Another one, and this isn't the one I'm talking about, Ruth Hewlett uh, was another one that Celtic uh, could have had. There was a chance that Ruth Hewlett was going to be the manager. But the one that really, really interests me is Bobby Robson. And the reason that that didn't happen is McCann stuck his heels in, dug his heels in and said, you know what, I'm not going for a British manager. Imagine Bobby Robson. Unbelievable. So anyway, we, of course, we announce uh, Vim Janssen, Dutchman, and then following that, we, we bring in Joseph Vengloss. Um, and then, of course, McCann leaves. And his parting words to Alan McDonald is, do not bring in Kenny Dalglish as a manager. But McDonald didn't listen. And the reason I'm bringing that up is that you can become too emotionally attached or involved when it's your job and you can't see the wood for the trees and your decision making and your judgement could be skewed by that passion and by that emotion Kevin is there an element of that uh, where Neil Lennon is at the moment he might feel as though if he, if he leaves he's letting the club down but actually if he stays it's maybe worse kind of thing he can't see it because he's so emotionally attached in the job and if that is the case do we need to change tact do we need to go for someone who actually doesn't have any links to the club 
I think we need to move on. I do think we need to. When you see, I've already mentioned Neil's comments the other night, and this is where he says that I've gave 20 years to my life for this club. Celtic, Celtic is my life. There is an emotional attachment there. We all know there's an emotional attachment. And sometimes when you've got that emotional attachment, it does blinker your views. Uh, your rationale thinking or about anything in life if you're too emotionally close to it. You can't take that step back. You can't take the advice from good friends like Sutton and Hartson who are saying to you, you need to step away from this because it's not good for you to actually stay here too longer. Look, I've, I've said, if we're being brutally, brutally honest, the only reason Neil Lennon got the Celtic job is because he played for Celtic. He has no other qualifications whatsoever in his management after he left Celtic the first time to be a Celtic manager. There is nothing there. And I says when we were talking about Darren O'Dea and Stephen McManus, that conversation that we had about who's underneath it could maybe step up as a coach. I don't want them there because they're a Celtic man. I want them there because they're qualified to be there. Yeah. because they deserve to be there because their CV shows that they deserve to be there I don't care if, if they've got any connection to Celtic whatsoever and our board Fergus was probably right Fergus was probably right he was wrong on Bobby Robson I've often wondered if Bobby Robson is the name that Jock Brown will never say because he says it in quite a few interviews he says he had this man tied up it would have been a fantastic appointment for Celtic but he would never tell us who it is Jock Brown said that. Jock Brown says Jock, that. Well, it was during my interview with Jock Brown that he told me it was Bobby Robson. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right. Well, he told uh, uh, another friend of the podcast, Cal McFadden, Football CFB. He says that he would, would never tell anybody the name, but if he's gave you the name, they'll give you Kev, that, the, the reason <laughs> The reason that interview was never released is because I met him in a cafe. And the sound was dreadful. When I got home, I was gutted because it was meant to come out as a podcast. I think I even announced it as a podcast. And when I got home, the sound was too bad. So it was always my intention to transcribe it. Uh-huh. It was it was Jock Brown that told me about Bobby Robson. There's me name dropping again. Sorry, guys. Anyway, well, I interrupted. Well, Jock, Jock Brown done an interview with Callum McFadden on that pod, and he says, I will, "I'll never tell any. I'll take that name to the grave room." <laughs> well, there, there, there we go, man. Sorry, it must have been. Callum. It must have been my questioning skills, eh? <laughs> Sorry, Callum. <laughs> uh, look, Bobby Robson would have been great, but for me, you have to get the best candidate out there. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what they're, what, if they've got any Celtic connections whatsoever. It doesn't matter if they've had Celtic as their Sabutio teams when they were younger. How many players have we said I, I played Sabutio with Celtic when I was younger? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as they're willing to come in and do a, do a job for Celtic. No, you're right. Now, I'm pretty sure there will be uh, loads of twists and turns in this story uh, between now and uh, the end of the season. Celtic are requiring loads of snookers to get anywhere near the team that's top of the league, Kevin. We also need to string a run of the results together. I think um, as much for your own kind of pride um, in the name of Celtic and the dignity than anything else, you know, it's not a great way to end if it's going to end for Neil Lennon, is it? So every single time Celtic take to the field they play, no matter who's wearing the green and white hoops, no matter who's in the dugout, I support Celtic and I want them to win every single game from now to the end of the season. What I'm going to say about Neil Lennon, and folk will probably have a go at me about this, we'll get over it. We will get over it, and we will remember Neil 
what he actually gave to Celtic. It's the same with Tommy. It probably took us a couple of years to get over Tommy not stopping them doing the nine and that. But now when you when you look back at Tommy's team, they're fondly, fondly remembered. I can't say how, how the future will look on Neil Lennon, but we will get over it. And we will, oh, dear. We will, we will get over it. Uh, we've even got over Brendan. I've got over Brendan. I was over Brendan as soon as... Quick, far quicker, far quicker than what I expected to be. But we will get over this. And we will move on. And Neil will get the respect that he deserves in, in Daniel's of Celtic history. Are you over Kieran Tierney yet? Aye. I, I love the fact that he's doing really well with Arsenal. Oh, brilliant! I love, eh? I love the. I love remember the time. Remember when it happened, okay? If we were talking, and I said to you, "Is this his level, or can he step up again?" He's stepping up. He's good. I, I, I would. I would. I can't see him at Arsenal being at Arsenal for much longer. He's. He's, he's going to. He's. He's going to step up somewhere. I can actually see him going to Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund. I can see I, him. Move, I'd love I to see, see it. it. I can I'd love see to him see it. In Germany. Aye, <laughs> and then coming back to us when he's thirty-five, I'd love it. You'll be welcome back. Listen, Kevin, it's always a pleasure to speak to you on a Celtic state of mind. We won't be back tomorrow, but I'll be uploading the podcast uh, with Tony Haggerty, and that'll be on all the audio platforms. We'll be back on Monday um, for everything that's happened over the weekend. It's always a pleasure uh, to hear from everybody that got involved in this impromptu 12.30 bulletin. But all that's left for me to say is, Kevin Graham, thanks again for joining me, sir, on a Celtic state of mind. Network. Sports Social Podcast 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 Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.